Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Lacrosse fans, it's Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's time for LAX Class. Lacrosse Classified happening right now. In your ears, right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Happy Tuesday to you, Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar. I don't even know if Happy Tuesday is a thing. It doesn't really matter. If it's not, I just started it, Evan. Happy Tuesday. Uh, what's going on back in Saskatoon besides bitter cold snow and and probably a lot of grumpy Rush fans? Actually, if you would have stuck around an extra day, you would have seen how nice the weather all of a sudden mm. got. Well, I'll tell you uh, what, uh, Evan. Relatively uh, speaking, it's minus, it got to minus 5 this afternoon. Oh, that's balmy. Which, cons- considering it was minus 52 this time a week ago, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah minus 52. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, I almost did uh, stay in, in Saskatoon the other day. A fun, funny little story off the top here before we get into the program. Uh, by the way, Dan Lomas and Holden Katoni will join us here on episode 63. We'll look forward to these, those two conversations and, and who we had coming right up here as well. But, uh, you know, I, I get my, I guess in my flight itinerary, obviously days before I, I got to travel. So I, I look at my flights and, and see the, the times, departures, the landings, all the rest of it, and got 6.45 a.m. stuck in my head that that was when I was leaving Saskatoon, looking at the flight times while I was in British Columbia. Are you following along here with what's about to happen to me, Evan? So yeah, don't, uh, I, think, I think you're just lucky that Saskatoon's a small enough airport that you can get through security in five minutes. Well, listen, so, you know, I, I go to bed, uh, whatever it was, 2 a.m. I, I can never really sleep after after a game and set my alarm for 4.45, uh, thinking... <laughs> That's okay. So I I do this kind of half awake at 2 o'clock, and I wake up at 5.40 a.m., and I was in an absolute panic. Like, oh, my God, my flight is in 65 minutes, and I begin the, the scramble of getting dressed and calling a cab and freaking out and trying to, you know, maybe I can get a hold of somebody at the airport and let them know I'm on my way and do all these things, I get in the cab and I say, you know, like, if you can uh, kind of step on it here, man, I'm super late for my flight. I start looking at my WestJet app. Evan, my flight's at 8.45. Now, because I looked at it in BC, it was 6.45 being two hours earlier here, and then it changed when I got there, but I had it stuck in my head my flight was at 6.45, so I went from thinking I'm going to miss my flight to being at the airport two and a half hours early, uh, going off in no sleep. I <laughs> I was so rattled. I, I felt, even though I didn't miss my flight, I felt like I did. You know what I mean? I went through the you entire know. emotion of this is, this is happening right now. Well, I mean... 
I know what my worst, I, I've had so many bad flight experiences between having to bribe my way at a Kiev airport one time. I wish I was kidding. Um, oh, no, they, they, they basically took us out of security to try and get a bribe from us because they, they wow. knew that they could. But um, my worst experience, honestly, uh, my first wedding, I almost missed my own wedding. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah. I was stuck in Toronto for four days. I've heard this. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and, and the, the the other part of it uh, is it was the first time that I, I had two first-class seats. I don't know why. It just so happened I did, but I was in the front row for both flights. Uh, for the first time ever in my life, I was the first person off the plane. I felt pretty cool about that. So that was extra well, I, reason I, I and motivation. Make- I wanted to make those flights. I don't know if they thought that you're a really important person or they thought they need to be within eyesight of the flight attendant to keep an eye on you. I don't know mm, that's, which one. Yeah, that's, that may be coming from uh, from the rush office there. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, we'll talk about that rush game coming up here. Let's get into it right now, Evan. It's time for Stampede Tax, who we had. And with the winter weather happening both here at BC, went into Snowmageddon, Evan. It shut down completely after 10, meters, uh, 10 centimeters of snow. And, and the whole city just shut down. So whether you're here in, in warrior country or Rush Nation there in Saskatoon or, or way across there in Halifax, you, you need boots. And Stampede Tech and Western Wear has the boot for you to beat the winter weather, keep dry and warm. Shop online. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. It, now, I, I hope that there's we have a few listeners in Newfoundland that will talk about your 10 centimeters. Yeah, and yeah, no, like the, I posted that today, and, and there's like a time lapse video, a 24 hour time lapse video of the snow in, in Newfoundland, and I posted that up. I said, Quit complaining, Vancouver. Like, that was like 10 feet in 24 hours. Or there, there were people, uh, I don't know if you saw these posts, but literally their snow was so high up their front door Crazy. that they had opened it and they cut some little holes in the snow. And started using it as a cooler. Yeah, crazy, crazy. <laughs> Enough weather talk, Evan. Let's get into who we had. It was a massive week eight in the National Lacrosse League. Eight games on the docket. Friday, Saturday, Sunday lacrosse, which I absolutely love, Evan. You know that by now. Uh, let's get into it, man. Friday night, it all started right here in my neck of the woods in Vancouver, Colorado, at Vancouver. And... You selecting the Mammoth in this game, Evan. I selected the home team, the Vancouver Warriors. And this was a, a goaltending defensive juggernaut. Seven. There were some. We're going to talk about this later. But there's some crazy low scores in the National Lacrosse League. There's seven. The stats here. Yeah, yeah we're, we're going to talk about seven, five. Warriors over the Mammoth, Evan. Uh, this one was a fun to watch. Eric Penny now, uh, EP61 yeah. was on fire. And and so was Dylan Ward. But Penny was just a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, this broke. I, I, I don't think it broke, but it tied a couple records. For fewest goals in a game and for fewest goals scored by a winning team. So... It was crazy, and here's some stats just to think about this week because this was the week of the goalie, and you got to give some props to the D2. But look at these numbers here. Hashtag okay? trade ward. Trade ward, yeah. Um, speaking of ward, it's a goal against average this week in a six point five, and lost a game. Right, <laughs> Zach Higgins. We'll get, we'll get to him a later. Five point eight one goals against average and lost a game. Right, the. Average number of goals scored 
Like, I mean, most people in you, who you got are t- looking about 23 to 25 a game. Yeah. It was 17.75. Just, it was under nine goals per team per game this week. Not, not that I want to give my secrets away here, Evan. Uh, week six winner, by the way, right here, yours truly. Week six winner. Uh, I, I kind of start from the number 20 and then, and then look at the teams and, and work off of that. That's kind of my theory from the week six who you got winner. But, I mean, the strange thing is the Colorado offense really, really, really struggled. They didn't have Kyle Killen in in this game. He was a healthy scratch. Maybe that throws it off a bit, but it's still no excuse. You know, when you allow seven goals in a game, you've got to expect to win. Now, a lot of credit to the Vancouver D. They were pressuring. They were keeping Colorado the outside. They were keeping the shots from distance. Best I've ever seen they, that Vancouver D play. Best they, and best I've ever seen Eric Penny play. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the the offense didn't contribute much and, you know, Logan Schuss was out with an injury. That was part of the issue. But, you know, full marks to the defense and Eric Penny yeah. here. And, and, and I, I've been seeing kind of the signs starting to develop here for Eric Penny over the last couple of years. But if, if that wasn't Penny's kind of coming out party, if you know what I'm saying here, Evan, and, and kind of saying, okay, like this is my team now. And 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 I and I love Aaron Bolds. Don't get me wrong, fabulous career and all the rest of it. But he's on 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 the wrong side of the hill as far as which direction he's going. And I and I just I think this is Eric Penny's team now, and especially after that, at what was a gut check, must win game for the Warriors. And he and, and that defense stepped up. And, and I think the, the return of Joel McCready has paid huge dividends, not only on the floor, but I'm sure in that room as well. And, and he just – he gets everybody ready to go. And, and when you see a player kind of play with the energy and the fire and the passion that Joel McCready does, that, that's infectious. And, and I think we, wow. we've been seeing that in, in Vancouver. And one other thing to look at, if you look at the last couple of games, I think Vancouver's taken a whole four penalties now in two games. Huge difference, that's man. That's going to go a lot. That's going to go a long ways. I mean, Vancouver only had 38 shots on goal. Yeah, so. absolutely. So that was the only Friday night game. I got it right. The week six winner got it right there, Evan. You got it wrong. Uh, who's Who's never won? A week of who you got. Uh, let's move along here. Uh, no, just San one, Diego seasons, uh, and, and Halifax you, so. are, are up next. Uh, from Halifax. Break up the Thunderbirds here, Evan, as as 5-0 and oh are the Halifax Thunderbirds. Another impressive victory here. San Diego, they take them down in another low-scoring game, and, and this has got to be – frustrating for, for Frankie Shiliano to play like that and still come out on the wrong side of it. Warren Hill has got to be in the conversation for MVP right now. The way he is playing goal as a first, like a bona fide number one in his first year. And this is what he's doing five and oh, and allows five against the seals eight, five, the final. And in fact, it was six, five with a minute to go. So this was actually in the running to break all the records. Um, and Halifax, a surprising, only 41 shots on goal. So this was one that they, you know, they got the last four goals of the game. That's what kind of sealed it. But yeah, I mean, Warren Hill, 
Okay, I mean, I don't know if I'm willing to say MVP. I don't know if I'm willing to say goaltender of the year yet because Dylan Ward, I, I won't go that far just yet. But I will say this: he is certainly the most improved player in the league by a long shot. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're right. Maybe, maybe I overstepped there, but I, especially the way that goalies are going here this year, and you talked about Ward and Higgins, and uh, you know, Del Bianco is going to be in the conversation as is Matt Vince, and and who knows, uh, Evan Kirk could be in there as well. Um, but you can't, you can't. Look away from five and zero oh for the Halifax Thunderbirds. That is impressive. And, and talk, we talked about it last week on a way to engage your new fan base there in Halifax. My goodness, that's the way you do it right there for the Thunderbirds. Impressive, impressive. Uh, one of the, I mean, these are all fantastic games here in Week Eight, Evan. But this one surprised a lot of people. With the Calgary Roughnecks making the trip across the continent into Rochester, New York. Of course, no Jesse King. Of course, no Tyler Pace. Of course, no Dane Doby. But the defending champs are the first victims of the Rochester Nighthawks who get the victory here, Evan. 13-12 the final. This one was tight pretty much the entire way, kind of back and forth. And the Nighthawks show it. They get it done. And they get their first victory as the Rochester Nighthawks' new franchise. And, of course, I guess if there's any good news for Calgary right now is Reese Dutch is back. Yeah. And Welcome back, I mean, He Dutch. didn't look he – look, he looked – I mean, he's still – it's his first game back. A couple of assists. Miracle, but a couple, couple of assists, and that's why. Here's, here's the big story with this game, and that is Wendy Vitendi. Yeah. You know, he – He's definitely solidified himself as the number one guy, and I think the team has now got a lot more confidence in him. But the last was 11 minutes of regulation and overtime. He pulled off a hell lot of great saves yeah. to keep that team in it to give them that chance. Or sorry, what am I talking about? This one didn't go to overtime, but you know, but the last 10 minutes. Um, it probably felt you know, like yeah. overtime for those Nighthawks and, and, and Wendy when. You know, it, you're, you're a team that's on home, home on your home floor looking for your first win, and to be in a tight game like that probably felt like they couldn't allow another goal if they wanted to win that game. And, and you're right, I I get the decision to go to Fryer in, in Philadelphia, but I also think there was a case to go back to Wendy as well. And, and I don't, you know, maybe they're trying to figure out their trio there between Hartley, Fryer, and Wendy. I think you're right. I think Wendy is, has proven that he is going to be the guy. Hartley getting some some mop up duty uh, in behind Fryer, which yeah, I don't want to hang that loss on him. I think it wasn't Fryer's best game and probably a lot of pressure on him knowing that that was kind of his opportunity to shine if he wanted to to make a statement and it just didn't happen. And, and partly the, the defense in front of them wasn't, wasn't great. And a lot of power plays and all the rest of it. Uh, but that, but, that's the way she goes in the national lacrosse league. But here's another thing to take away. And that is you expect Calgary to be in a race with Saskatchewan and Colorado for the division title. This is one of those games at the end of the season that Calgary might look back and say, this is where we should have had one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you take three of your premier starters out on offense, and, and then with the travel and all the rest of it, that's 
That's a tough grind in Rochester, man. I, I've made that trip a couple of times, and it's it's no cakewalk from BC, which, of course, a lot of roughnecks reside. Uh, game of the week here, Evan. You tell me. Philly at New England. This thing goes to overtime and controversial overtime goal at the casino. No overhead camera, which I thought was mandatory in the National Lacrosse League. I, maybe I'm wrong on that. I should probably reach out and, and find out. And I don't know if it's just at one. I could have swore I've seen overhead at New England. Maybe it's just in one end of the arena, which is a bit of a funky configuration there. But showtime, Callum Crawford getting the overtime winner here. 8-7, the final, another low-scoring game. So we've had 7-5, 8-5, now 8-7. This is an overtime. Uh, 13-12, the final for Rochester, by the way. to me, Evan, with even without the overhead look, it looked like a foot in the crease to me. And and Philly is is still probably bitter about it that they didn't have the proper camera angle to get get a look at this and, and get it right, which is really frustrating. Yeah, uh, and you know let, let's let's put the blame where the blame is. Todd LeBranch had at his disposal only so many things. He made the correct call based on what was available to him, yeah. which was inconclusive, right? And the other problem is is that if you don't have an overhead cam, are you not having two cameras in the corner to make sure you got both sides covered? Because unfortunately, the side Crawford goes down, mm-hmm. he, his back is to the camera, so there's just no way of knowing it. Now, yeah. I believe the other arenas have overhead cams, although some have issues. If I'm not mistaken, there's a couple where it doesn't cover the entire crease. So if you are looking for the back of the line or the sides, it sometimes misses the two. So this is something that's got to get worked on. But, yeah, I mean, both goaltenders, you know, Dougie Jameson, 50 of 57. Higgins, 47 of 55. Here's a shocking stat of this one. Two power plays the entire game. <laughs> yeah, well, right? well, we'll go from one extreme to the other. Well, maybe Philadelphia will, Evan. Well, and here's one other thing. You know, we finally got to see Nardell go up against Baptiste, and Baptiste took it to him, fourteen to nineteen. Well, there you go. We can't uh, can't argue with those numbers there for the Beast, uh, who continues to impress. Took a took a pretty big shot on Sunday, as well. That kind of sparked it all. But we'll talk about that here momentarily. But. Black Wolves, Evan, stay undefeated with that overtime victory. Mm-hmm. And, uh, circle it when the Black Wolves and the Thunderbirds hook up. Uh, we'll see if those guys are still undefeated when they meet, but it's coming. It's coming. Look that up, Evan, while I ramble along. See when those two teams meet uh, for the first time this season. Toronto goes to Buffalo, and news coming down right before this game started, Evan, that uh, Captain America Tommy Schreiber was not going to play in this game. And that was a tough blow. Of course, no Adam Jones in there as well. Classic kind of bandit rock game here from Buffalo. And the bandits come out on top just as we both predicted 
with the victory, 10-8 in this one. So uh, we we should recap here quickly. Yeah, we, we, we did. We yeah, we missed the game that you got. We, we did. There. We did. So we both had Halifax to beat San Diego. We had Calgary taking Rochester, which we both got wrong. I had Philadelphia. You had New England. It came down to an overtime goal to get you the victory in that one. So we're both two and two through. Doesn't four matter games. how they win them as long as you win them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Overtime was how it was won, though, just so you recall. Uh, 10-8, the final. Bandits beat the Rock, and, and this was a, a bit of a slugfest. And here's an interesting thing we'll see in two different games with two different results. Live by the long shot, die by the long shot. And one team did very well with it, and we'll get to, but Toronto, when you're firing from almost at the very straining line with a six-on-five, you got to start to work this and try to get the ball inside. Um, I didn't get to see much of this game, unfortunately. Uh, but here's a note here is that uh, Noseworthy got an instigator, so he's likely going to be sitting the next Yeah, one. but I don't know. if Have you seen the clip of it, Evan? Like, he's he's not going to get an instigator after they review the tape. And I think Garrison kind of saw something that he thought he saw but didn't really see. And when you, when you watch the replay again, it's actually Gustavin that, engages with Noseworthy. So if anyone's getting the instigator, I think it's going to Toronto. But it looked like two good Canadian boys that just want to, to get after it a little bit and, and give the decision to Noseworthy, clearly. But uh, there was no instigator there, and, and I'm pretty sure we'll see that rescinded. At least if if we don't, we should. Uh, but, but I think it'll happen. So let's move along. Georgia goes into Long Island to take on the New York Riptide. We're going to talk to Dan Lomas coming up here in a bit, Tevin. Uh, but, wow. Riptide! They win it, Evan. 13-12, the final in this one. What did I see? Seven goals scored in the fourth quarter and capped off by one Daniel McCray who wins it for the Riptide. This is after scoring with one second left to send it to OT. And the ball squeaking in it. <laughs> uh, like this was a wild second. finish. And, it was. And the Riptide got it done. Yeah, I mean, I got to eat my words here because, I, you know, I said, in who you got it, this is going to be lopsided, and... Uh, this could get ugly. And when I started looking at the score, because I had the Georgia swarm in my tiebreaker even, and it's looking at the score like, what? It's still scoreless? And we're just keeping going. And Georgia got out to, pushed in the third quarter and got out to a lead. And then they fell into the trap a lot of teams have fallen into against the Riptide. And that is, you got too comfortable. You started playing down to your opponent. You started thinking that your opponent wasn't as good as they were. And the Riptide figured out that Mikey Poulin was not seeing the ball well from distance and just started ripping everything. They've played the long shot, and they played it very well. Now, it almost went back the other way. Yeah. Lyle Thompson, Thompson all yeah. of a sudden Four. became Lyle Thompson, scores two goals, gets a 12-11 lead, only for him to lose it. But the final goal, I mean, De I don't know what, De what was. De Hossanunde, Evan, I mean, flying over us. But. But the overtime goal was unusual in that McCray is going down the floor in a transition play. He gets bodied up. There's a second 
swarm player that comes to him. And then I think they both just think that McCray's just going to tail There's off. There's no way him. he's shooting. And piping and in both, for Danny Mack. And they both just backed off of him, and he gets a shot from ten feet. But what a shot! I don't, though. What a shot! Though uh, it was a great shot, but it was a horrible defensive play to get it. Yeah, there. I, I mean, uh, no better guy really to to get the first franchise winning goal in overtime. The captain, uh, the the boy returning home, if you will, to. To the area, you know, former RIT guy, and and has lots of ties to the to the area. That was uh, that was pretty cool to to kind of witness that and, and to do it in dramatic fashion the way they did. Thorpe scoring with a second left to, to get it to overtime looked like they were gonna let one slip away again, and and it just uh, they they found a way. They found a way. So we're gonna talk to Dan Lomas coming up, uh, but two more games to go before we get to one holding holding Katoni. This one we are both at uh, front and center for, Evan. Colorado, after losing in Vancouver the night before, they get into Saskatoon around noon on game day. I don't know how else to put this, Evan. They took the rush who got up in this game 3 to nothing out of the gate and then got outscored 12-3 to the rest of the way. Led by Dylan Ward and, and five goals from Chris Wardle. Eli McLaughlin had a gem and, and six or seven points. Dylan Ward was absolutely spectacular in this one. I think the rush had upwards of 60 shots. Colorado was just a more intense, a more focused and hungry team than Saskatchewan. They win this one, and the scoreboard showed it. 12-6 the final. Yeah, when they lost in Vancouver, what was in the back of my mind was, oh boy, they're going to be—they're coming to Saskatoon, playing twice as hard as they normally would because they got to get that one back. And yeah, Dylan Ward allows was it two goals in the first three shots, three on the first five, and then three out of the next fifty. Hashtag trade Ward. <laughs> yeah, trade Ward. And I'm loving that people are now starting to troll the troller. <laughs> but how great um, is that? Yeah, but it's it's absolutely insane. The rush to be. I'm gonna. I gotta say two things about this effort. Number one, that the offense outside of Jeff Shatler, Jeff Shatler seemed to be the only one with any energy out on the floor in that game. He was trying to push the, the game, but the rest of them seemed timid. And the other thing that was confusing was they were going from a three righty set to a three lefty set back to a three righty set. And it seems so off balance. Mm. I don't know if they ever got into a rhythm. Yeah, Colorado is a big punishing defense. That's going to make you pay when you come inside on them. And I thought the rush were doing a pretty good job finding backside looks early in the game. And then it kind of disappeared and, and they started to figure it out a little bit, but Colorado is so aggressive and, and, Man, yeah. they're a mean piece of business well, on that back end, Evan. They are tough. They are tough back there. And then when you do break through on them, you gotta you gotta try and find a way to bury on forty five. And it's it's just not easy, man. Like it, it is hard to score goals on Dylan Ward. And the and the other thing, if you watch it close enough, the Mammoth did the exact same thing to the rush that they did when they were in Saskatoon in the playoffs. They were putting a guy at X all night dragging the defense to where the rush didn't want it to be yeah. and it worked. Put a guy on an island on, on the on the one side. Yeah, I know you're right. And and I like I go back to that Wordle goal that made it six four 
right near the end of the half. And I don't know if the replay guy got it right or not. I could have sworn there was a toe down there, but he kind of kept rolling past that point and then rewinding and then fast forwarding, and he never really froze it where the toe, I thought, was down. But that goal ends up counting, which made it 6-4, and then Capito comes down looking just for a two-for-one scenario and blows one past Kirk from just inside the restraining line to make it 7-4, and that was that was a massive swing of events right there. Well, the rusher now, this is the crazy thing. They haven't lost on the road. They haven't won at home. Yeah. Unfortunately, home wins don't sell tickets, so they need to get that fixed pretty quick. Now they got to sit for three weeks, and then yeah. the same two teams play again in Saskatoon. The next That's, game that they play is against Colorado February the 8th. Yeah, I was actually having that conversation with Pat Coyle after the game. He's saying, you know, by the time we get to that game, that's our 10th game of the season. It's only going to be the rush's sixth. Yeah. Right? There's this massive imbalance where the Mammoth only have two games in April and the rush have five. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting times indeed. Okay. Uh, both got that one wrong as we both had Saskatchewan there. We both took Georgia. We both got that one wrong, Evan. One more game. Well, and only 2% of people got to yeah. New York one, yeah, right? Well, hey, that's the way she goes, man. That's the way she goes. Uh, one more game to go. It was the Sunday affair from Philadelphia. Another good crowd there in Philly, Evan. They are happy their wings are back in Philly. And the home team put on a show in this one. In what got pretty nasty down the stretch in the fourth quarter, Adding with an elbow, what looked to be a bit of a, I don't know, it did not look good on Baptiste. Evans was running around doing Evans-type things. Ian Lord getting involved. This thing got real. now, But there almost seemed like the referees refused <laughs> yeah. to give anybody a five-minute major, and that's why it just kind of kept escalating. Like, nobody got kicked out. Nobody got a five-minute major, and it just kind of kept going and going. It was like a a. a bomb just waiting to explode as the game was out of hand. Philly wipes this one away 12-4 the final. Zach Higgins continues to impress but it was it was the amount of penalties down the stretch in this one that was kind of really the story. Yeah, the number of penalties is double the number of goals in this game. Let's put, let's put it that way. Now, um, a lot of them are coincidental. That's why you won't see as many. Power, but yeah, Philadelphia had 13 power play chances. Let's does that give you any idea as to what happened here? And yeah, I think somebody on the group chat said it is when you see Paul Dawson taking an offensive shift, <laughs> you know what's about to happen. It's not, it's, you're not trying to score a goal at that stage, uh, but yes. it's it's they're very lucky because there was that one time where Evans dropped the mitts, Dawson dropped the mitts, and they all got roughing minors. And if they had gotten fighting majors, whoever's in the second fight is getting a match yeah. penalty. And a suspension. Now there is there is a instigator here that I think is going to stand, and that's Garitano got a pretty obvious instigator. Yeah, okay. um, I think he his... came off the bench and, and got involved in an altercation. That's gonna that's gonna find you some time. And and it's something that, and I know we got to get to break here because we got Katoni coming up. But I, the, it's something that I've wanted to kind of bring up on, on lax class for a while. And, and it's the subject of fighting in lacrosse and, and should it belong? Is it still relevant? Does it need to happen? Does it not need to happen? What should happen if it happens? 
Uh, we're not going to do that today, but there was an uptick in in fighting this weekend. There there was a few across the league in, in several games, and I think that Saskatchewan game probably could have used one myself, Evan, just to get the crowd and, and get everybody into the game because it, it didn't seem like – anyways, I, I'll say this. Nobody's sitting on their seat and nobody's walking out of the building when when ha- when when happens, and it sells tickets. It sells tickets. So it, it it sells tickets. And the other thing is is that when sticks are up in the game, you'd rather they settle it with the fist yeah. than they settle it with the stick. There's there's a lot that I want to speak on it, and I know, you know, I know Commissioner Sakevich is is dead set against it. He wants it eliminated from the game, as do a number of the other owners. There are several owners that want it back in or left in the game and, and keep things the way they are and maybe even loosen the rules uh, to some regard on it. So I think it's a conversation that needs to be had, and, and it will be here on Lacrosse Classified. It just won't be this week. Evan, we both went four and four in week eight, so you remain up a game, and uh, I get to host who you got again. By the way, you chickened out on hosting who we had here this week, so it looks like I'm going to be in the driver's seat for that. But I will get to host who you got again this week, and and we have our winner from week eight as well. Good friend of ours and a guy from, uh, he works for the National Lacrosse League. He works for the Lacrosse Flash. He's about to get married as well. Our good pal, Adam Levy, is our week eight winner. And and Evan, uh, we need to give out Adam's Twitter handle here because Adam is is graciously donating his prize to somebody. And, and the, it'll make a lot more sense once you read the tweet from Adam. So stay tuned to his Twitter account and give Adam a follow at, what is it? You never sport alone, right? Adam Levy sports, I believe is what it is now. Okay. So Levy spelled L E V I. Yeah. Very simple contest that he's putting out there is in 280 characters. So one tweet, tell him who your favorite player is and why, and whoever comes up with the best answer, not the right answer, the best answer for their player is getting his stampede tack package. There you go. So congratulations, Adam. And then congratulations to whoever Adam selects as uh, his prize winner. Didn't need to do that, but uh, he's growing the game, if you will. Evan, let's get to break here on episode 63. Big opening segment right there. Quarter one is done. Quarter two is next. The former Blue Jay of Johns Hopkins lacrosse. It's Holden Katoni from the Rochester Nighthawks on the other side. This is Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Devin Caney from the NLL. You're listening to The Cross Classified on the Last All-Stars Podcast Network. Growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lax Class. This is episode 63. This is Jake Elliott. I'm joined by my partner, Evan Schemenauer. You just heard 
From our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging, Sean Ashworth and the gang here in Coquitlam, Evan. I know you had a chance to get down there uh, when you were out here for the World Championships, did some talking to the salesman uh, down there, Tosh Nishimira, and uh, you had a good conversation with those guys talking about maybe your firm hooking up with, with them and their products. Yeah, we're still hooking up with our clients on our end. Um, I have to say in Saskatchewan, we're a little bit behind on this environmental issue, but it's kind of bringing it forward to our clients and saying, here's the future, do you want to hop on board? So hopefully we're going to be doing business with them very soon. Well, who doesn't want to be on board with the future? Uh, Speaking of the future, the future is right now as we have former John Hopkins, Blue Jay, and... uh, Coming, he's. A, I think one of the. We're going to talk to him about this, Evan. But I think one of the kind of the first players to come out of the evolve or elevate program in Alberta. I always get those two mixed up. We're going to talk to him about it right now. It's Holden Katoni from the Rochester Nighthawks. Holden, thanks for doing this, man. Welcome to Lax Class. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Now, set me straight. Is it elevate there in Calgary and Snyder and the gang? Is is that the program that you came out of originally in Alberta? Yeah, that's the exact program. Uh, it was called Elevate, uh, run by Jeff Snyder and Bobby Snyder. Um, and I uh, played for them for a couple of years in high school. Yeah, and, and you were kind of like, I remember your name coming up. They were super proud, as they should be, that you were they were you were kind of one of the very first guys out of Alberta to find themselves down to a Div 1 scholarship, and, and you kind of really hit the mother load with it, Holden, as you end up at kind of the holy grail of, of lacrosse schools at, at Hopkins Tell me how that that process worked for you. How did you find your way to Hopkins, and then and then tell me your time about your time there, which is just like the mecca of of Div One lacrosse. Yeah, uh, no, it was great. Um, I actually got recruited off of a, a YouTube video. Coach Petro at Hopkins uh, recruited me, and uh, I committed to Hopkins prior to him ever seeing me play in person. Um, so it's a little bit of a, a weird experience and a different one uh, from like the traditional way that people are recruited. Um, but I played in a couple of tournaments for Elevate. Um, I think I was a I was in the tenth grade, I want to say, and uh, played in a couple of tournaments around Philly. From that, made a highlight tape um, that was posted on YouTube, and that's how I got recruited. Crazy. Um, I committed. I, I committed maybe just a couple months later. Um, just prior to the start of my uh, 11th grade year going into high school. And um, yeah, the rest is kind of history from there. Um, went to Hopkins for four years. I really, really liked it. Um, have some of my best friends um, that I, I could ever wish for um, that I met there. And some, a lot of guys I'm really close with uh, still today. Um, I live with one of my college roommates still, and he's uh, one of my best friends in the world. So, uh, some some great connections that I've made with with people there, and really enjoyed my my time and my education. Yeah, and before we get started, kind of on the lacrosse stuff and, and the Peterborough Lakers and the Calgary Roughnecks and the Rochester Nighthawks and the and the Georgia Swarm, we want to talk about all that with you, Holden. But you mentioned just before we kind of came on air here that you're living in Washington D.C. and I don't know too many. Like I've been to D.C. way back when, but I don't know too many guys that are living in that area. How do you find yourself a, a guy from Alberta who spent some time in Peterborough and then? Now down to Washington D.C. What is, are you working down there? Is uh, do you got a special lady going on down there? What's what's happening? How did how'd you end up down in D.C.? 
so yeah, I, I, I work down here. Uh, I got a job at, in for working for a, a biotech startup called Septisys. Um, so I work for them and, um, you know, it's kind of close connection to, uh, Hopkins, uh, Baltimore, just about an hour up the street. Um, so it's, you know, good, nice little area. And, um, I mentioned my friend Connor, who I live with right now. He's one of my best friends. He's from the area. Um, so it was a nice little easy, uh, transition for me to move, move down here and, you know, have a friends group already and, uh, somebody to live with. And, nice. um, but I've loved it. Uh, DC is an unbelievable city. It's, um, something I, I highly recommend everyone kind of visit at some point. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of history here. It's super fun, uh, very vibrant, uh, super clean and safe. It's, um, you know, perfect for me and, um, I've loved every minute of it uh, so far, and I've been here just about two years. Going back to the off season, and of course, you're now with your third team in three years. Um, I think we were all surprised that Georgia didn't protect you. I guess were you su- were you surprised that Georgia didn't protect you? And when they didn't, what was the transition like at that stage in those next couple of weeks? Because obviously, you were going to get picked in the expansion draft. Yeah. Um, like you said, I, I was actually shocked, um, to be honest, um, that I was left unprotected. And I know there's a lot of you know hard decisions to be made in the NLL just with the, the era of expansion that we're in right now. Um, but I was surprised. Um, I, I, I thought I had a, a really good year in Georgia last year and, um, you know, really built up a lot of chemistry with the guys there, especially on the offensive end. And uh, I thought we really had a, like a great group and um, kind of a good plan moving forward. But uh, obviously management felt a little bit differently or uh, had to make some tough decisions. And unfortunately I got kind of the short end of the stick um, when it came to, came down to who they were leaving unprotected. But um, to be perfectly honest, it, it worked out really well. And I'm incredibly happy with the way things turned out with playing in Rochester this year and, and the group of guys that we have there and uh, the staff and the management of the team is, uh, you know, unbelievable so far. I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, I mean, talk about that, Holden, because you you go from a situation where you're surrounded by some pretty high-profile guys and Lyle and Randy Stotts and Shane Jackson, and then and then to Rochester where, yeah, you got Sean Evans, but you kind of become the number one, if you will, for that Nighthawk team, and that's not a situation that you've ever really been in, including your time with the Peterborough Lakers, who's a bona fide NLL All-Star team as well, and – that's kind of a different role for you. Is that one that you look forward to and, and want to embrace being the number one guy and the first option there for the lefties? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, everyone's dream when they, when they start playing in the league that you're the guy that's relied upon. You're the one that, uh, you know, taking the shot or the balls in your stick with a minute left. And um, those are all things that we think about as kids or growing up. And, um, you know, it's exactly kind of the challenge that I was looking for. I, I never looked at myself as kind of uh, a back burner guy, especially, you know, maybe earlier on in my career in the NLL I did uh, when I was with Calgary, um, just playing behind a lot of guys and being young. But I uh, always thought of myself as just a bigger part of the offense, not any any bigger or any less than, than anyone else, but a, a main contributor. And that's the way I look at, uh, at, at Rochester as well. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I think I've been labeled the, the number one there uh, on the left side, but you know, I can't do um, what makes me successful without the help of, you know, Pat Saunders, uh, Turner Evans, and, and Danny Nickel. Those guys have uh, 
played so well this year and they helped me out so much. Um, and we just have a great, a great cast of, of offensive talent um, on the front door here in Rochester. So it's, uh, it's been an exciting group to play with and grow with. Saturday night, obviously a massive win first in franchise history. I guess it's a, it's a nice double whammy because not only you get to stick it to your old team, but you get the monkey off your back and you finally win a close one. Uh, talk about the electricity in the dressing room and what put you over the edge this time to get you the W. Yeah, it was uh, obviously very exciting. Um, we have a lot of young guys um, on the team. It's their first kind of taste of victory in the NLL. and um, It just shows how hard it is to win this league. Um, we've been, other than the, the last game that we played against Philly and the very first game against Georgia, we've been you know very competitive and uh, kind of knocking on the door to our first win and um, I, I've, I've said it in a couple of interviews that we're just kind of missing that one piece that, you know, got us over that, over the hump to win. And, uh, I think it was just kind of a combination of every, everything kind of coming together for us. We, we had a lot of transition goals. We played well five on five defensively. We played well five on five offensively. We had some great stops from, uh, from Craig Wendy in the net. And, um, you know, it's just kind of all came together for us. And that's, that's what you need in the NLL. You need a little bit of luck and, you need to show up to play for you know 60 minutes or as close to it as you can get, and uh, we were rewarded for that. Speaking with Holden Katoni from the Rochester Nighthawks, and I guess on on the flip side of that, Holden, you can look to to just yesterday at, in Philadelphia where maybe the the signs of a young and experienced team kind of showed up. But with that being said, I, I know the scoreline got out of hand, and but maybe the response from your team coming down the stretch. That sort of thing with all the penalties and guys sticking up for each other and, and showing a little spark can go a long way for the team chemistry and, and kind of coming together in the locker room as well. I know that's a tough loss for you, but I think some lessons and some bonding that, that can come out of that game. Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there. And when we talk about what we want out of every game in, in Rochester, it's always Hazer telling us that we're going to learn something from every game. And whether we win, we lose, we get blown out, you know, it, it, we have to learn from it. And you're absolutely right. Like the, the chemistry that we build up and the camaraderie from, yeah, we, we got spanked last night, but uh, the way that we stuck up for each other and we battled to the end, regardless of the score is, you know, positive for our group and uh, something that we can take down the road when we're playing in tight games and it gets, you know, a little chippy or, um, you know, we, we need to be a little bit more disciplined. So those are all good lessons that we have to learn. Um, unfortunate that it came off, you know, our first win in franchise history and, a, and the high that we felt uh, after that. But uh, it's good that we kind of get maybe back down to earth and um, show really, like I said before, how hard it is to win in this league consistently. Your offense on on the Rochester Nighthawks is not your typical expansion team offense in which. You've got an you got a real NLL starting lineup up front. Struggled to get goals the first couple of games. Was it just a case of trying to get used to playing with one another? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know. I think it, it just felt a little disconnected uh, at first. The first couple of games, we it felt our offense just kind of felt choppy. Um, I think it's just a lot of uh, instead of reading and reacting and understanding what the guy across the floor is from you is going to do it's a lot of thinking about what he's going to do and um trying to get used to you know playing with new guys and that it's all just a learning process and 
I think we're, you know, slowly getting past that. And we, we've showed some, some glimpses and some games where we played really well. And uh, there's still some growing pains there. But um, like you said, there's a lot of talent. And we're really lucky that, you know, kind of the way the expansion and trades and uh, free agency went, that we we have a really good group up front. And, um, you know, we all get we, we all get along really well. And uh, we all talk to each other a lot on the bench and in practice. So, um, we know it's only a matter of time until we start clicking like really consistently. And um, I think our numbers have been pretty good so far, minus a couple of outliers. So it's just, uh, like I said, about just about our whole team is getting better each game and taking away key key things that we can learn from. Last one here for you, Holden Katoni. Uh, I usually like to either ask guys how they got started playing lacrosse or why they wear the number that they do. And I saw at Hopkins you wore 99. I've seen you wear number 9, 19, 91. Uh, obviously, the number 9 means something to you, Holden. Uh, I, I'd like to know why. Yeah, so uh, I always wore number 9 growing up. Caleb Toth was uh, kind of my first big lacrosse mentor and uh, a close family friend, still one of my good buddies to this day. I Niner. saw him out in Victoria when when we went out there and for for the Man Cup this year. And uh, yeah, so he was kind of the guy that inspired me to play lacrosse and you know uh, take it really seriously. And um, he's an awesome guy, one of my favorites of all time. Um, great character guy. And uh, he's the reason I wear number nine. Oh, there you go. Hanging in the rafters at the Saddle Dome. Niner. Uh, you, you don't get the nickname Niner unless you made the number nine famous. So uh, I loved watching Caleb Toth play lacrosse as well. He was an absolute warrior out there. Uh, Holden, hey, man, I appreciate you doing this, uh, making a little time for us here on Lax Class. Nice job. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. Enjoy your week nine off, and best of luck with the Rochester Nighthawks down the road. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. All right. That was Holden Katoni from the Rochester Nighthawks, Evan. And you're right. I think, you know, Georgia, tough decision there, obviously, to to expose Holden. But Rochester couldn't have been happier to, to see that and, and snap him up quickly especially look, you know, going from Calgary where he's born and raised to going to Georgia, being traded for Jesse King, that, that adds some pressure, but now being the number one guy in Rochester on that left side, he's really seen to embrace that role and, and he's flourishing. Flourishing, Evan. Well, think, yeah. Think about it this way. The first two picks of the expansion draft for Rochester are Sean Evans and Holden Katoni. You couldn't have asked for a better start off the expansion draft than those two. No. So, You've got this team now. If they can get their defense down, they're going to start to win a lot more games. Their offense, you know, it's still like a little bit of work to do, getting some consistency, mm-hmm. but they're going to win games. I don't think they're going to be the last place team in the league. They're definitely not going to be. And give it a year or two, they're probably going to be a playoff contender. Yeah, pretty quick. I, I, we we said it from the start, right? We were a little surprised at the the, the start, how bad it was, but. This this that roster from top to bottom. When you got character like Curtis Knight and Sean Evans and and holding on that team, you're going to get your fair share of, of wins. And it looks like Wendy's going to be the guy there. So uh, it just it's going to take a little bit of time, but I'm I'm confident in that Rochester roster and Dan Carey and, and Mike Hayes, and they couldn't have a better leadership group there to kind of steer that ship for the for the Kayhawks. So. Uh, more wins to come for them. Tough one in Philly yesterday, but uh, congrats on the big victory over the defending champs. And now they got that in their rearview mirror. They can kind of start to look ahead, as can 
our next guest in the team that he plays for as they got their first win in their franchise's history as well. And it sounded, well, no, we're going to play it on the other side. Let's do that, Evan. Dan Lomas from the New York Riptide will join us on episode 63 of Lacrosse Classified when we return here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. This is Keegan Ball from the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class, lacrosse fans. Jake Elliott, Evan Scheminauer, episode 63. You just heard from our friends at the Vancouver Warriors with that big victory over the weekend, Evan. I selected them to beat the Mammoth. You did not, did not believe in our fine sponsors from the Warriors that they could get it done. And they made you look bad, Evan. Man, did they make you look bad. If they could use my pick as as, uh, incentive to go win that game, great. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Uh, Check them out at VancouverWarriors.com. They're off for a couple weeks, are the Warriors. But on February, this is bogus, man, because I'm going to be in Saskatoon again. I'm going to have to miss the Warriors again. But back February the 7th for uh, throwback night going down at the Raj. Remember Y2K or the original iPod? I was at the KISS concert for the Millennium uh, Y2K at BC Place, Evan. What a time to be alive. And I still have an original iPod. Hey, check them out at VancouverWarriors.com. You can get your tickets starting at just nineteen ninety five. Cheap beer, cheap food, and all the rest of it. Good times waiting to be had at the Vancouver Warriors game. And uh, speaking of Vancouver Warriors, we got a former Vancouver Warrior on the program about to join us here, Evan, now a member of the New York Riptide and coming off a a nice, tidy five-point performance in the franchise's first victory ever. Coming in dramatic fashion, Dan Lomas, first time on Lacrosse Classified. Dan, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. My pleasure. I know you're you're chilling out in in Burlington right now, but uh, take me back to to Saturday night there at at Nassau on Long Island. The captain Danny McRae getting it done in overtime. Uh, talk about that game as a whole, though, Dan. That that had to be super thrilling for for you, the fans, and and everybody involved with the organization to get that one under your belts. Yeah, I think it was, uh, again, it's, it's been, you know, a few weeks now that, you know, especially coming off that, that Philly game that we felt we were, you know, really in that one. And, and every week we've kind of been, been taking strides to the, to the group we want to be for a full 60 minutes. So, you know, we, we started that game, you know, at least from an offensive side, pretty slow and, and, you know, we, we saw our goal and our defense playing really well. So, you know, coming in at halftime, we, we sat down as a group and realized we had to, you know, just do more and, and, and try to put the ball in the back of the net ultimately. So it was, you know, the first half didn't go the way we wanted and, and, you know, we, we just didn't give up and that's kind of the, you know, that's, that's the attitude of this group is to just never really give up. Um, you know, I've said it a few times 
before ultimately our group is, you know, with the exception of draft picks, we're put together of, you know, a bunch of guys other teams didn't want. And I think that you really do see that in the, in the personality of the group, you know, we're, we're close because everybody in that room believes, you know, we can compete in this league and, and, you know, I don't think a lot of people outside do. So it's, uh, it was a roller coaster game. You know, it just showed the resiliency of our group, you know, coming back in the fourth quarter again. That's a really good team. And, you know, I think that they're going through a last few games have been a struggle for them. So it's, uh, but it doesn't take anything away from, you know, them being a championship caliber team as well. So I think that it, you know, first of all, it proved to us that we can compete with anybody week to week. Um, but I think it, you know, I think it showed, you know, other teams that, you know, we're not a group that you can just, you know, walk over. Now, you'd mentioned your group of guys that other teams have passed up on. And coming into this season, you had a year in Rochester. You're on the practice roster almost the entire year. Uh, you go into Vancouver, you get cut there. When you come on to New York, is it is there anything in the back of your head saying, maybe this is my last chance, or is the pressure wrapped up to make it work this time? Um, I, I think for me, I think I've always kind of had that that confidence that I, I can you know do something for a team to make them better whether it's you know my first year in Rochester I got an opportunity to play you know 14 games because Cody Cody had gone down with an injury and you know the second year you know my role shifted to to being you know the best practice player you can ask for and you know bringing you know a great attitude and a great effort every every time the the group's together and you know, that, that year we got to go to the final and I think I learned a lot about what it takes to win. Um, and obviously in Vancouver last year, you know, things just didn't work out. I don't think I played the way I, you know, I'm capable of. And, and again, I, you know, they, they treated me very well in in the time I was there and, and I definitely don't blame them for, for, uh, for letting me go. It it just, you know, again, didn't work out and, and sure it's, um, I can't lie and say there there hasn't been times where you really do sit down and think, you know, if if you can do it and if you can make it in this league. But, um, you know, the way I kind of have said it to buddies of mine and even family when they ask if, you know, you want to keep doing it, that there's there's really no feeling of you know, there's no feeling like running on the floor when there's, you know, whatever, five, 10, 15,000 people cheering or or booing at you. There's there's really nothing like that. Um, and, and there's nothing like being a part of something that's that's bigger than you and and, you know, coming to New York this year for me was a lot like going to university, going to High Point when it was, you know, the first year of the program. I think, you know, being able to to lay a foundation for for years to come down the road is, is something that, you know, I'm, I'm very honored to be a part of. Um, you know, I can't thank Reggie and and, you know, Dan McRae for vouching for me in the, you know, in the free agency side of things. It, you know, it kind of took a lot to take a chance on me after, the, you know, the year that the last couple of years that I kind of had in the league. So it's, um, you know, it's something that, again, like I said, there's, there was definitely second guesses at, at some points, but uh, I, I kind of sat down and have had a good talk with myself that, you know, this is what I wanted to do. And, and I'm really going to put everything I can into it, you know, and, and again, it's uh, I'm not really a person that's, you know, going to care too much about trying to get points or anything like that. Or um, that's not really how I measure my success as a player. It's, it's, you know, making sure I can help out anybody in any way on our team and, and ultimately try to get some wins. Speaking with Dan Lomas of the New York Riptide, some of the best conversations you can have in your life are with yourself, Dan. I can tell you that. Um, tell me about High Point. You, you just mentioned it there, and, and some other guys have come through the program, and, and Connor Robinson comes to mind in particular. But to, to go to a, a program in its first year and its inception, that that's not something a lot of guys want to 
take on what how did you end up at high point and, and tell me about that that program that university that area of the world and, and what it did for for you and your lacrosse career yeah i, I mean for me i was you know a, a basically unrecruited kid kind of going through high school playing lacrosse and you know field lacrosse is something you kind of just did in the off season of box lacrosse right. and, 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 you know living here and um i think when i was kind of going through the recruiting process that's when you started to see a lot more um you know canadians kind of going down there so a lot of the guys i was playing with were you know going down to school there so it was something i started to hear about and i ended up going to uh i think back then it was the it was the reebok top 100 camp that uh brody merrill and company kind of put on um i think at then at that point it was at the hershey center and um i talked to you know a couple teams but they didn't really show much interest and um coach pat tracy who's who's moved on from uh from high point now i I, he's up at a um, a high school in Baltimore, but, um, you know, he, he showed a lot of belief in me and, and, uh, it was kind of something that caught me off guard and I was like, okay, you know, I've never heard of this school and, but North Carolina sounds okay. So it was, uh, <laughs> I, I, I went down on my visit and he said, you just got to get down here. You just got to see what we're doing. And, um, you know, ultimately went down on the visit there and, and it, I mean, the campus is just breathtaking. Um, it, it's something that, it's hard to kind of put into words what, what it's like to, to walk around there. It's uh, I think the best way to describe it that I've heard before is kind of a, uh, a Disneyland country club hybrid. It's uh, it's just a stunning place. And, and, you know, when I got there, there was uh, there was, I think 13 or so guys that were practicing every day. And, and this was before the team even started. It was guys that took a leap of faith to, to go lay that foundation and, and, you know, the things that they were going through with this, this military type training and, and, you know, just putting in the hard work every day and, and, you know, the foundation then was, was to get better at something every day. And the, and then, you know, the program would catch up to the effort you were putting in. And I think, you know, for me that, that kind of laid the foundation. I think that I didn't realize until maybe the last couple of years, I think, you know, as any kind of Canadian player can, you know, can touch on, you know, you're used to, you know, being, you know, a good scorer or, you know, a good defensive player for a lot of the time. And, and, you know, you see these guys that, that work so hard every day and, you know, for four years, they may not touch the field, but they're still, they're still positive and they're they're still pushing everyone else forward for the greater good of the group. And I think that was, uh, again, that self-reflection you you talked about there. Part of that was me realizing and, and talking to a lot of those guys that had been through it in university, um, and kind of pushing that forward into, you know, what happened the last couple of years for me in the NLL and just understanding that you can't be selfish in a team sport. There's no time for that, no matter what your role is, you know, to be the best practice player, to prepare the guys for games or, or, you know, to be the eye in the sky and talk to guys at halftime and what you're seeing. So it's, uh, I think that I, I wouldn't be the person I am without coach Torpy and, and the high point family. And, um, you know, for them to take a chance on me with really only, you know, seeing a weekend's worth of game is is something that, uh, you know, I'll be forever grateful for. Yeah, speaking with Dan Lowe, it's interesting, man. Like, I, I went through that a little bit as well in, in my time with school, and I, and I don't think a lot of people really realize what that's like for, for guys that, you know, Canadians coming down to school and, and kind of stepping into the lineup, that happens, but there's, there's literally – 10, 15 guys on every lacrosse team, whether it's Div 1 or Div 3, throughout that country that will never see significant playing time, if any, and they're still the best teammate, best guys that you're ever going to meet. It's incredible 
the the attitude that those guys have and how happy they are just to be a part of a program like that. So I, I, I think that kind of goes understated. And that's not something people really even think about or see. But unless you've kind of been a part of something like that, you, you wouldn't really understand it. So I, I hopefully I did a better job of that as we speak with Dan Lomas here. And, and I, asked, uh, I asked Holden this. I asked him why he wears the number that he does. I want to ask you, Dan, being a Canadian, I don't know if you're born and raised in Burlington or not, but do you have the typical Canadian boy story? It was hockey in the winter, lacrosse in the in the summer, a stick at a young age, or or how did the game find you? Yeah, I, for me, uh, my dad grew up, um, you know, doing hockey and, and lacrosse, and, and it was always kind of our family looked at as, a, you know, lacrosse was a great way to stay in shape in the hockey offseason. And, um, you know, both, both my older brothers, you know, went the hockey route and played, you know, four and five years in the OHL and um, went on to play, you know, CIS hockey as well. And, and for me, you know, hockey was always amazing because I got to be a bit of a, a bit of a different player. It was more of a physical game for me and, and kind of, you know, doing the easy things and being more of a fourth line guy, which would, which I had a lot of fun with. And, and, uh, but ultimately I fell in love with lacrosse because it, it just, it, something about it felt different. You know, it was, you know, my brothers would get, you know, excited when, uh, when hockey season would come around. And for me, it was, it was kind of the opposite. You get a little bit more excited when, um, when lacrosse came around. So I, I mean, I started playing when I was three years old, just pushing the ball around with the, you know, playing peanut or whatever it may have been. And, um, I think there was some, uh, we joke about it in our family. I think I, you know, I was five or six years old and we had just played in like a house league final and I was interviewed on TV and I'm sure, put, I mean, putting a five or six year old on TV, you're always going to get some funny lines, I think, but <laughs> yes. they, uh, find that footage, Dan, find that footage. Well, I know I should, I should, but they, they asked me what I wanted to do, uh, what I wanted to do next. And I said, I wanted to be a tennis player. So I, <laughs> They, uh, <laughs> which in today's world would actually be pretty yeah, good for a Canadian. Right in the I could have been uh, Milos Raonic or yeah. something running around there. Yeah. So, um, but no, yeah, they like to give me a hard time about that. But no, it's, I think for us, it's it, our family. It's just always been a part of of kind of who we've been, and and obviously, you know, I, I I don't think you know parents get thanked enough for the sacrifice they put forward, and I don't think you fully understand it. And, yeah until you know you step in even right now trying to balance a career and playing lacrosse i can't imagine you know trying to balance dropping kids off at the right spot waking up at five in the morning and 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 doing all the things that they did while balancing their lives as well um so obviously you know that part of it it's you're forever indebted to them for for doing that but i think that they know that you know the sports just develops you into you know it gives you all the qualities as a, as a person to to be successful well, overall. you better get your get your yeah. parents tuned into the podcast then after that <laughs> exactly that's it i think I, they don't know that's coming but i was doing a little bit of sucking up that's good yeah going back to the weekend here um interesting game in that it's the thing we kind of started to see from the riptide where you start to get down and all of a sudden the other team i don't know the combination of you guys get sparked and the other team starts to coast and you guys get back in it i don't think anybody had danny mack in the ot pool if you did you probably made a ton of money but uh to take us through a couple things here one you seem to have found the long shot late in the game and finally got something working for you to get you back into it. But also the last possession, you guys didn't have a timeout. 
was there a game plan going in or game was there a plan going into that last possession when you really didn't have a chance to come up with one? Yeah, well, I think the the first part with with Danny Mac, man, it, you can't speak enough about that guy and and you know who he is and and what he offers a team is is it, again, it's 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 hard to put into words to you know as a first year team having a captain that's just come off playing you know putting in nine hard years and finally getting you know the championship that I mean in my opinion he's deserved for a long time. Um, you know, he's one of the greatest leaders you, you, you can ask for. He gets that team, he gets that group going, you know, and when you're zero and five and you lose five games in a row and to come back into the dressing room after all those losses, it's sometimes I think it can get a little bit hard to hear the same message over and over, but he has a way of, you know, just toning that message and, and letting us know that, you know, every time we're getting better, we're getting better. And it's a, it's a process that, we've got to commit to. So it's, uh, I, I think I humbly would have, would have picked him for the overtime challenge. I don't want to brag on that one, but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, again, a guy that just embodies everything we want to be as a team moving forward. And, you know, as far as he said, uh, you know, kind of hitting those shots, it's, uh, we've talked about it as a group. We, you know what, we're, we're kind of put together of a bunch of guys that really aren't, there's no superstars in this group. So it's, uh, it doesn't matter to us who, who's going to hit their shots when they hit it. It's just as long as we're we're all, you know, kind of getting to those greasy areas, you know, pushing bodies around and really trusting what, what Coach Marsh is, is putting forward for us. And, and again, it's uh, it's something we've stuck to as a group. And, and you know, there there may be one quarter, like, you know, the first half where, you know, Kieran McArdle goes out and he's, he gets a hat trick for us after being a healthy scratch the game before. And I think that something like that, it, it really just shows you who we are as a group. That's uh, for him to step into that, you know, into a game after, you know, like I said, not not playing. And, and to do that is just shows how how good of a professional he is um, to take that in stride. So, again, for us, it's uh, it doesn't matter who's hitting those shots or, or how they're going in. It's just uh, it's just finding a way to get it done. Basement Dan Nation is alive and well. Mega beds for everybody, Dan Lomas. Uh, hey, thanks, <laughs> thanks for doing this, man. Uh, best of luck this weekend against the Wings and the Seals. Just so you know, I took you guys to to beat the Seals. Evan is picking against you, so you can uh, prove him wrong this weekend <laughs> yeah, if you saying please. That, saying that I was ready to flip a coin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, regardless, uh, good luck this weekend. Thanks for doing this, Dan, and uh, let's do it again, man. That was fun. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate your time and uh, appreciate what you guys are doing for the sport. Keep it up. All right. That was Dan Lomas of your New York Riptide, Evan. And, um, you know, a couple stops, like you said, pre-decent year there in Rochester in his first year, then kind of fell out of favor there in Vancouver. But a nice bounce back and good opportunity there in, in New York to show what he can do. And, and he's playing well. And he's one of these guys that if there was an expansion, would he still be in the league? Maybe not. But that's the thing is that with expansion, these guys are getting this second chance and proving themselves. And, you know, sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, sometimes you just need a second chance and find the right home to to show what you can do. And I think Dan Lomas is doing that right now for the Riptide. They'll take on the Wings and the Seals this weekend. Uh, Okay, Evan. Let's get to break, and let's head for the fourth quarter here on Lacrosse Classified. Coming up in quarter number four, under review, who you got in news and notes and whatever else we can jam in. You got it right here on episode 63 of Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vital Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. 
PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Brad Challenger, voice of the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Time now for Who You Got. Welcome back. Lax class into the fourth quarter here. Final period of the day, class. You will be dismissed after this segment uh, right here of Lax class. Episode 63 Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you, and right there, Pure Vital Labs, uh, letting you know they have the best supplements on the market, all Informed Choice certified, nothing artificial in those supplements either. And listen, man, if Westberg, Curtis Dixon, Tyler Pace, Trevor Baptiste, Zach Courier, Callum Crawford, Justin Salt, Christian Delbianco, Matt Cavanaugh, Zach Greer, Kevin Crowley, Challen Rogers, Chris Cloutier, just to name a few, all Kylie on those, Miller. Yeah, Kylie Miller, <laughs> Marnie McCool, and even Callum Robinson back there in Australia. All on PVL supplements, all sponsored by PVL, and those guys aren't taking those products unless they're good. So check them out, pvl.com. We're hoping uh, at the start of next month mm-hmm. we're going to hook back up with these guys and – Get you uh, into their online store shopping using a promo code courtesy of Lacrosse Classified. Everybody will be in on this. It's going to be a good thing, and it's going to take your game to the next level as well. So, mm-hmm. what I was going to say is, uh, Vasily has been using the Game Eight, and that's what most of the guys really seem to like the best: the Game Eight. Yeah, and what I've noticed, and it, you don't have to use much, or it's very little of it you actually have to put in there, but in the second half of a game, he has a lot more energy to keep going pushing through that second half of the game than when he's not on it. It's, it's noticeable. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Well, all you can do is go to pvl.com. And that's a nine-year-old. You can yeah. notice it. Well, <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay, Evan, uh, I think, uh, what do we want to do here? We want to go... Under a review. It's time for Under Review, presented by G. Wilson Construction. Each week, Jake and Evan answer a listener's question or break down an unusual call that happened in a game. The challenge flag has been thrown, so now it's time to take the matter under review. Under review, you just heard it from G. Wilson Construction. I want to tell you about this. We've been ta- I'm going up to Whistler with, with the boss this weekend, so we're going to kind of hammer it out while we're up there and, and figure out exactly what we want to do here. But just looking on their website, Evan, G. Wilson Construction supports the apprenticeship training practice in British Columbia. So they have a wide range of skilled individuals working with them. If you love what you do, you take pride in your work. If craftsmanship is your goal, they want to see your resume. They want people who are passionate about building fine homes and excellent at providing best practices for client services. 
whether you're just starting your career or you're a seasoned pro, there's opportunities available. Check out their website at gwilsonconstruction.com. And if you're, you know, kind of thinking about starting a career or, or you're an experienced tradesman, get a hold of G. Wilson Construction. You may have yourself a new career in the construction business. Uh, so we'll, we'll figure that out as well. But we're going to go under review right now, Evan. And it, the announcement coming out, I want to say right after we, we posted Lacrosse Classified last week, the commissioner announcing that MGM Grand have signed a deal with the National Lacrosse League and gambling is now going to be available for the National Lacrosse League. And you think, oh, great, okay, we can gamble. But with that being said, a lot of different factors now come into this as we're going to get way better updated information about injuries, about schedules, about what else, Evan? All sorts of things. We're going to get these factors all coming together almost in real time. Signings, everything like that has to be upfront immediate. Yeah. So, you, you, for example, in the NFL, like they are mandated that they have a certain set of rules when they have to announce who their active roster is, who's questionable, who's day by day. They have to. Uh, be transparent on what the injury is, how long the injury is going to be, who's signed, who's on the press. Like, all these things, I think, are going to start to become public knowledge for the sole sake of being informed when betting on National Lacrosse League action. Yeah, uh, that's one factor that's in play here is the, the NFL, the only reason that you have an injury report, and the, an injury report that's, very open and honest to the public is because of gaming, because the gamblers have to have accurate, fair information, and you can't allow certain people with inside information to make bets that others can't. And so so for example, just for example, and I'll use Tom Brady as an example, even though I'm not a Patriots fan. Oh, forget it. I'm not going to use Tom Brady. I'll use Rusty Wilson, Evan, because I'm a Seahawks fan. So just imagine the Seahawks saying, well, Russell Wilson's not going to play this week against the the, the Patriots. Let's. I'll use the Patriots. So Russ Wilson isn't going to play against the Patriots this week. So everybody goes, oh. No, Russ Wilson for the Seahawks. I'm laying all my money down on the Patriots. And then Saturday before the game, the Seahawks come out and say, oh, actually, we were wrong. Russ Wilson is going to play tomorrow against the Patriots. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose because everybody's going to switch or want to change their bed and the money line's going to change and the point spread's going to change. So this is why we're going to have to have some transparency when, when all this gets set up. Right. And it's not, it's the NLL has actually got the opposite problem. That is, if somebody's banged up, you will not hear a word about it until, what is, I think they have to, they have till three hours before game. But I think that's a rule that's going to have to change, though, Evan. Exactly. They're going to have to disclose this midweek saying this player is probable, this player is doubtful, this player is out. They're going to have to be more transparent about it. And to be honest with you, the NLL hasn't updated their transaction wire. I don't know how long. So for the average fan, if you're expecting to see somebody play and they pull this, okay, three hours before game time, we're making a switch. You're going to, you're show up in your seat and it's like, well, where is this guy? Because that's how a lot of this works. So that's going to be off the table. Now 
the one thing that I think you might have to take a step back on right now is how this gaming is working, and that is this uh, BetMGM is only licensed in the state of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and to understand but more how this is coming, works, though, Evan, right? Like more it, states yeah, are coming by the week almost. Right, and MGM also has to go get licensed in each individual state, and that's that's a problem. You know, I, you know I'm a part-time Vegas resident. I can sit in my home and I can make online bets at any Vegas casino, but because I'm in the state, if I'm outside the state, I can't do that. And in the U S they forbid there's laws against any form of, but it's all changing though, Evan, it's all. So, so, so there's going to take some time to get more States licensed and whatnot. But here's the key as to why once this gets built up, it's going to be huge. And that is, 80% of people who gamble on a game now start to watch it. Sure they do. And, and the thing is, these professional gamblers and even the casual gamblers also see an NLL game on there. And they, and go, they got oh, money this on sport's it, actually pretty watching. good. Right. So now you're, you're going to expand your viewer base. Let's be blunt. As much as the NFL has always had the – until a few years ago, the sense of we don't want any association with Las Vegas. Mm. Believe me, they love Las Vegas. They loved all these. Uh, it's what makes that league pools and fantasy leagues. And all this was actually illegal for a long time. Gambling but is what makes the NFL it. the most popular exactly. sport in or league in the world is gambling. That's what makes it the most popular league in the world is gambling for the NFL. And I'm not saying the NLL is, is going to be anywhere near that and, and definitely not to start here. But to be the first professional league to step out and and be the first league that's going to kind of endorse this, Evan, is a huge, huge deal for the National Lacrosse League. Well, actually, they already did a few years ago with Sports Interaction. Now, the problem is you have to be in Canada to play Sports Interaction. Um, but uh, but this is something that they've hitched their wagon to, and they are all in on, and, right. and pardon the pun. And if you want a TV deal, well, guess what? This is how you start to get a TV deal because if the gambling gets large enough, there's going to be enough people watching it that now the vested interest is to have it on TV, not behind a paywall anymore. Well, and who knows? If you have enough revenue coming from it, then the TV deal becomes even more attractive as well. And and a couple of things that, that I don't really have clarification on, and I, and I don't think you do either, Evan, is who exactly is going to be setting the lines or the number, if you will, for each respective games? Like I imagine they have pro bookmakers at MGM, but do they have pro bookmakers that know a lick about lacrosse? And I know the new sports logic and the, and the, the analytics are going to help in regards to making these lines and setting these lines. But I, I kind of wonder, like, if the getting is going to be good mm-hmm. in the early going until they kind of figure out who's who and what's what and what's normal yeah. and what's not. Like, I don't know, man. Or or do they go out and, and seek some professional help from 
I don't know, say a guy like yourself, Evan, who's a math yeah. wizard and knows lacrosse, or maybe me, a, a guy that's been around for 30 years with the game and well, kind of knows. You, like, you, I don't know. You couldn't because you work for a team. That, sure. That would, sure. That would prohibit you. But Well, um, hey, I you know, yeah, if, if the, if the money was right, Evan, I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, sports interaction, the, how they handle it is, is that they cover the, lo- the line on both ends so far that – you know, if they make a mistake by two or three points, they still kind of got themselves covered. These places, the professional gamblers are not going to put up for that. They're going to have to be accurate. And yes, MGM would be very wise to start to hire a couple insiders to work with their line makers um, to get this right. So, yeah, I, it's hey, going to be really. If somebody wants to, at MGM wants to hire me, hey, I got to play some Vegas. <laughs> Good to go. Let's it's going to be fascinating. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely fascinating to kind of see how it all plays out. And the other thing is, is I don't know what the percentage is that you know the board of governors, the the league, and the players are all sharing a piece of the pie here. Uh, I don't know if this has been worked into the CBA or not on on how all these percentages yeah. are going to work. I actually, I actually had a conversation with the player on that, um, and they're that's what they're looking at. It's like, okay, what's in it for us? I don't know if the league is necessarily getting much, if anything. Not um, yet. They, they, they'll get. They might get a little, but it will be very minimal. Now, whatever they get falls into the revenue sharing formula that the league and the players have so the players will get something out of it but the the real attraction to this isn't how much is the league getting sponsored by mgm for this thing it is guess what you're going to have more butts in the seats you're going to have more eyes watching the game the advertising revenues are going to start to go up and that's how the players will get the money that they deserve going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out that was g wilson constructions under review and and we like i honestly i think we have like a stack of things now that we could take under review here evan but keep keep your submissions coming we always kind of look for kind of the the buzz topic of the week or whatever you want to call it evan and then kind of go with that but if if something else pops off the page at you that you think needs to be discussed then we're more than happy to take that under consideration. But now, Evan, it's time for who you got. Evan, who you got? Jake, who you got? 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 Sponsored by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. More than just cowboy boots there at Stampede Tack. They have a wide range of CSA-approved boots, enough to tackle any job site. Check them out in Cloverdale or online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Uh, Once again, congratulations to Adam Levy and uh, whoever he gives his prize to. Week 9, Evan, what do we got on week 9? One, two, three, four, five games for week number 9. Yeah. You are and, now 22 and 13. I am 21 and 14 after a 4 and 4 mm-hmm. week 8. Yeah, and last week I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty confident in my picks. I went 4 and 4. Mm-hmm. This week I'm not confident in my picks, so I'm probably going to go 5 and 0. Oh, you, you think know? so? <laughs> do you? Gonna have the you think so, do you? 
We'll see about that. Uh, keep signing up uh, for that weekly prize, folks. The more you play, the better your chance is to win that grand prize. I know guys are – I've talked to a few guys. are kind of sitting on the fence. It literally takes 60 seconds to put in your email, make your picks, and hit send. And that way, the more weeks you do it, the better. Like, literally, even if you started now in week nine, and if you went hot for the rest of the season, you could still win the grand prize. So, never mind just the and, weekly and prize. And I'm the only one that sees the picks. So, guess what? If you if you don't want your name out there, not a problem. Yeah, I'm make the only up one a fake name, whatever you want to do. Say, don't mention my name. Make up a fake name. Like, there's a couple of guys that you don't – I have no idea who they're in there, right? I, I've only looked at the leaderboard once. You you kind of send out a, um, an email to everybody updating what's going on in the standings. But if, if you don't uh, – if you don't want that, don't worry about it. Make up a fake name and you got nothing to worry about. Still have some fun, win prizes – and get some bragging rights as well. Nothing to brag about last week, but this week, Evan, is a new week. Week 9, it all gets going on the 24th. So more Friday, Saturday, Sunday lacrosse. I love it. Friday night from Philadelphia. And this game got a whole lot more interesting all of a sudden. Riptide at the wings. Evan, who you got? Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the effort that the Riptide put in. I think teams will now start to take them a little more seriously. I think Philadelphia's got a great thing going. They won one loss side that they almost had two this weekend. I'm taking the wings. I'm taking the wings, too. I think they are are a much improved lacrosse team with Zach Higgins. And, and I don't think the return of – I mean, Rambo's taking a step forward. Reardon's going to do his thing. Crowley there for the entire – the X factor for me has been Brett Hickey. And and that offense just has taken it to another level with Hickey in their lineup. He is good for three, four a game scoring and then add in some mm-hmm. assists as well. Like he is playing some great lacrosse. You just hope the guy can stay healthy. Well, now Trevor Baptiste on top of winning 80% of his faceoffs yep. most nights is now good for a goal or two. Like so I said, Evan. It's a difference. Like I said. Uh, if he can start to find a little scoring touch with all those chances that he gets, look out. Look out for Trevor Baptiste. Uh, PVL athlete, by the way. San Diego, another long. Man, how tough is this for San Diego? They might as well have just stayed back there, maybe, Evan. I don't know if they did or not. I actually suggested that my uh, schedule article on Random Thoughts. I mean, I I think we remember when we were talking to Patrick Merrill about this. I think he said he is staying back there. I don't know how if any of the, the so rest he went of, to Orange Mills where he went. Well, yeah, he but I'm st- yeah. it's still in the Eastern Time Zone. Um, so, anyways, Saturday seven thirty Eastern Time, San Diego Seals at the Riptide. So Riptide in Philly on Friday, at home on Saturday. This is this might be a tough one to call here, Evan. San Diego been struggling. Riptide getting that home win. Who you got? No, this is all of a sudden a lot tougher um, because I was almost going to go to the adage of let's pick against the Riptide until they win. Well, now they won. Uh, San Diego's three time zones over. Um, desperate. Let's put it this way. If San Diego loses this game, it's season over. I'm taking the seals. I think I'm going to take the Riptide here, Evan. 
They got to win, like you said, and I said, until you win, I'm not picking yeah. you. And now they've won. And San like, Diego, I mean, they, they went to Halifax last week, and Halifax, obviously a better team than the Riptide, as far as I'm concerned. But they only got five. Still no stops. Yeah. Jackson, I don't know. I'm going to take the Riptide, man. I'm taking the Riptide. Well, here's what I will say is that every week in who you got so far in the contest, the Riptide has never had more than 10% of people picking them. Yeah. I think they're going to have 30 or 40% this week. That's, yeah, this I mean, I'm not, I'm not super confident in the pick, but I'm not unconfident. I know that that's not even a word. I don't even care. I'm taking the Riptide, Evan. That's the way it is. Let's move along. Buffalo. Makes the trip. This is the game of the week, Evan. Be our live game of the week. And I think it might be the game of the week on paper as well. Buffalo at Colorado. Two teams. Well, Colorado, two teams coming off a win here. Buffalo going to Colorado. Who you got? Think about it. This could be a 6-5 game if these two goaltenders play the way we expect them to. Uh, I was about ready to flip a coin, but I'm like, you know what? I better come up with a, a rational pick on this one. I don't know what bandit team I'm going to get. That's the thing. There's a little inconsistency there. I don't know what mammoth team I'm going to get. Man. The one that lost to Vancouver, the one that bulldozed the rush. It's in Denver. Give me the mammoth. Man. <laughs> This, no, like, I'm like just said, looking at the so next I two no games. I have confidence in my picks this week because of this. Yeah, right? I'm, uh, I'm seriously, I'm looking at the next two games going, those two games might be harder than this one. And this one, I might. Man. Flip a coin? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I just, I don't know who Colorado is yet. Like, I know what they are, but I don't, you know, are are they the team that lost to Vancouver, or are they the team that beat Saskatchewan? I, now I don't know about Georgia because they're on a losing skid. Like, I, oh, man, I don't know who to pick in this one. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Colorado just because you did. I have no other reason to take Colorado only because you did, and I and I don't want that to be. A, I'm not confident in either team. Not like that. That doesn't sound right either. No, I like I think said, either next, team could win this game, and I don't know who to pick. So I'm just gonna this, pick who this you is a pick. Week the coin could beat me in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, let's. Let, we got two more games to go here, and I don't know who I'm picking in either of these games as well. 9.30 Eastern time start here. 5-0 and Halifax goes into Calgary, who are coming off a loss at the hands of the Nighthawks. They'll get pace back, but they won't have King and Dobie still. But is Calgary going to lose again here on their home floor against the Halifax Thunderbirds? Evan, Thunderbirds, Roughnecks, who you got? I was about ready to flip a coin again here, but here's my thought on this, and that is as much as the Thunderbirds are hot right now, they're due for a loss, and this is a, a real big opportunity for a loss to happen to them. 
I'm going to take the Roughnecks, but once again, I'm not confident in this The pick. old do for – I don't – I'm starting to not believe in the do for a loss or do for a win theory. Like, I, th- I think that's just something people say to try and convince themselves to believe But if you had done it, you would have had Rochester, you would have had New York, you would have had a great week. Do for a loss, do for a win. I'm taking Halifax, man. They haven't lost yet. So are they due for a no, loss or are they due? For, they're five and zero, oh, so they're they're due for another win because they they've won five in a row. Yeah, well, you can convince me on either team. This taking Halifax, oh. Georgia at New England to round it out on Sunday, a one o'clock. Is that one o'clock Eastern, Evan? Morning, Sunday morning, lacrosse here on the West Coast, Georgia at the Casino, Black Wolves and Swarm, Evan. <sighs> Man, this is a tough game. Who you got? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, and I think this game is going to go a lot to show how this East division is going to play out. Because think of it this way. We thought Georgia was going to cruise to not only the division title, the number one seed. And now they've lost these games here. That we just didn't expect them to. New England, nobody had them at a winless or, or, or a perfect season so far. So, you know, how do you pick it? I just don't know who the Georgia Swarm are right now. I know who the New England Black Wolves are right now. So I'm taking the Black Wolves, but not confident in it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just don't know if Georgia is losing three in a row. Like, we picked this team to run away with the division, and, and now I kind of feel like – this this is a must win for the Swarm if they want to stay within striking distance here. Like, they, they cannot let New England get away from them if they have hopes of winning the division. And they've lost two in a row, one to the Riptide, Colorado in there as well. Or is Georgia just not the team that everybody thought they were? I think I got to go with the Black Wolves here, Evan. I want to pick the Swarm because I actually I, – like, I – I think the Swarm could easily win this game, but similar to Halifax, I got to keep picking them until they lose because I think they're due for another win. So I'm taking the Black Wolves, Evan. I don't blame you, and you know how confident are you in the pick? Not, not. not at all. No. <laughs> No, no. And it's not because I'm not confident in New England. It's because I'm equally as confident in Georgia. Yeah. And that goes for Calgary and Halifax, and that goes for Buffalo and Colorado as well. Like, honestly, this could be a week in who you got because the games are so tough to pick. We don't have anybody go 5-0. and uh, Or we could surprised. have a bunch of people go 5-0 and or 0-5. I don't know, man. Okay, so let's recap it here quickly. Yeah. We both took the wings. I got the Riptide, you got the Seals. We both took the Mammoth. I got the T-Birds, you got the Roughnecks, and we both took the Blackwells. All right, uh, news and notes is how we finish each podcast every Tuesday here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Uh, We could use a sponsor for news and notes. If you're interested in joining the program and you want to talk a little turkey, get at me, uh, find me, social media, at PXP for Sports. Or my email is at pxp4sports at gmail.com. Remove the at from before pxp 
for sports. PXP for sports at gmail.com is where my email is. Uh, or if you got my phone number, Facebook, whatever. Get at me if you're interested in maybe hopping on board and uh, becoming a sponsor here on the program. News and Note 7. And we got some we got some things to go over here quickly. We talked about gambling in the NLL. Via Rail, now the title sponsor of the Man Cup in 2020, back east, wherever that is. That's a big get there for uh, that committee. Via Rail, no, that's no that's no small chicken there. Well, I wonder if the players are going to take it just to save on some cost or something to get to the Man Cup. Maybe. I have you ever ridden on a train? Europe, but not in Canada. Well, it's it's lovely, man. It's lovely through the 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 Rockies and Banff, uh, just riding the rails, man. Pretty awesome. I've never done it, so I'm just I'm just talking out my butthole here. Uh, Billing signing in Buffalo. Pretty big news there for the Bandits, and and one and zero with GB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think I was surprised by it was Buffalo that picked him up of all teams because mm. we thought he had all these work commitments out west that prevented him from playing out there, but things must have changed. Um, but with Buffalo having not having all of its weapons that it used to, great pickup. Uh, Cost him nothing. But, yeah. Now, if the Seals made him an offer at some point, I imagine they probably did, they get a compensatory Pick, they'll get a probably first rounder next year. No, for I don't know if it's that high for Billings. Maybe yeah, it could be. Maybe second rounder, I think. Anyway, so Billings signs in Buffalo. Another signing that caught all over. Dylan Malloy, by the way, made former Tuaraton winner playing both games for the Bamath this weekend. Didn't produce much offensively, but didn't really look at a place either. But the one that really caught our eye just uh, before we kind of came oh, on this is lovely. recording yeah. here, and this we've been banging this drum for a little while here, Evan, and I remember when he got drafted and, and I went on LSN and, and they asked, you know, who do you think is the biggest, going to be the biggest impact? I said, well, if this guy decides that he's going to play box lacrosse, I think this guy could be the biggest steal of the draft in one Miles Jones signing a practice roster contract with the New York Riptide and and hearing that they play two games this weekend, Evan, and Miles Jones could very well get into the lineup here for the Riptide. Now, if you think back when we had Reggie Thorpe doing his season preview, we asked him about Jones because he had just traded for him at that point. He was part of the whole package there with Durson. Um, and he said he was going to try and get Jones to come in this year. And apparently things have worked out. We didn't know if there was a sponsorship issue or what. Now, Jones has not played any box lacrosse, to my knowledge, maybe a little bit. But here's the thing. If this guy can learn how the box game works, look out. Yeah, like and scary. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out where he fits in the lineup. He's Probably going to be a two-way transition player, similar to what Kyle Matisse does in Philadelphia. But if for those that don't know his game, think about Mike Messenger. That This guy is just a tracker. You can run right through any defender if they try and take him one-on-one. Shoots at 1,000 miles an hour. He's got athletic ability coming out his wazoo. Like, this guy is a genetic freak. Look him up on YouTube, Miles Jones, M-Y-L-E-S Jones. Went to Duke University, won a couple of championships there with the Blue Devils and sponsored by Adidas, plays in the PLL. And and this guy, you want to talk, and the NLL is all about it right now, Evan, about personalities and guys showcasing their talents and their personality on social media. 
this guy is about as personable as you can get as far as a lacrosse player goes as well. He is a marketing machine waiting to happen. This is big for the Riptide. I, I'm i almost willing to go through some struggles and growing pains and let him figure out the box game, even if it means him struggling a bit to start or whatever, just well, to, to get him going. Or just to get butts in the seats. Yeah. You know, New York struggled to get attendance this year. You get another hometown guy like this with his following, yeah. you're going to get some more butts in the seat. Absolutely. Uh, something I noticed the last couple of Mammoth games, watching the game in Vancouver, then watching the, the replay screen in Saskatchewan while I was doing the game. on the, So, you know, after like a player scores a goal, they run the replay, and then they usually show the player on the bench that scored the goal after they show the replay. You know how they do that? Yep. So now I want you to watch next time you watch a mammoth game. The last few times I've seen them do it, and the and the players are almost looking up at the screen, waiting for their face to show up, and then they they st- <laughs> and I don't know why I started to know this, but I I noticed this. They stick their tongue out and, and they do like the, the the old tongue wag. You know what I'm saying? They do the. Ah, 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 ah. And I've seen Killen <laughs> do this. I've seen Gillis do this. I'm pretty sure I saw McLaughlin do that. I don't know if this is like a mammoth thing or, or if this is predetermined or not, but pay attention to this because I think it's it's, it's becoming a phenomenon. It's not the only one. Now, I don't know if a few people notice this. I know Devin Caney had put it out on Twitter. If you're watching a game in San Diego, look at the home bench. They yeah, got the manscaping interesting thing. little manscaping, manscaping thing, yeah. <laughs> advertisement yeah. right underneath which. You know, when you work with a marketing camp advertising agency, you know, this is actually something that's a little ingenuic and yeah, pretty smart. Attention grabber. Pretty smart for sure. Um, we talked about low scoring games. There was a couple of records uh, either tied or set as far as uh, the scoring, and it was way down this week. And and uh, I promised I would make mention of that, Evan. So it was a bit of a wacky week as far as scoring goals in the National Cross League, but I think it's it's an anomaly. It's not the norm. If this trend continues, then we'll see. It? But it's been it's been down all year long, but I think it'll it'll balance itself out as we move along. I don't know if it will. I, I think you think this is the year me, I, of the goalie. I, it's the year of the goalie, but there's a couple of factors in play here. One is that, you know, we talked about it. I know the commissioner doesn't believe it's going to happen, but with expansion, rosters are going to get watered down. There's less quality forwards available on every team. But that would mean there's less quality goaltenders too, Evan, and and the goals will be going in easy. So I'm not, I'm not buying into that. But, you know, have the defenses started to figure things out a little better? I think maybe that may be true, but that's just a matter of the offense now figuring out what the defense. It's it's the constant evolution of the game. Like you know, it's gone from what we saw three three lines playing both ends of the floor to specialized offense, defense to playing man to man to a hybrid zone to turning players down the outside. All these new things eventually offensive coaches will find an answer to it and then the defense will find an answer and it just goes back and forth, back and forth. So maybe the D and the goalies have the upper hand right now, but I think it'll all even, we'll see, we'll see. But I, I, it's a bit of an anomaly. I don't think it's the norm. So that that's where I'm going with that. Uh, back-to-back penalty shots last night in Philadelphia. That might be the first time I've ever seen that. 
I, I've seen it before. I, I'm trying. I was trying to think back as to where I seen. It. I think I actually saw three. Um, but yeah. So for those that are trying to figure out what happened here, the NLL has a rule which I wish hockey would adopt because it's a better rule. In that, if you are three men down, rather than what hockey does and what the CLA does, which is you're two men down and the third penalty doesn't start till the first one's over with, mm. the third one. Or any subsequent one becomes a penalty shot. Now, what happened in this particular scenario is that they took two. Rochester's already down two men, and I mean they were down two men and only had about thirty seconds off each penalty, and then two roughing penalties on the same whistle. So now four penalties. The two guys in the box come out. The two guys that just took the penalties go in, and two penalty shots and. Interestingly um, enough, yeah, the two they different let, they players take two different yeah. players took two different penalty shots as well. And it was it Crowley that took the first one and he scored. He scored and then Matisse missed. He came close, but I, why but, not just give it to the cat again? But you know what? I, part of it is at that stage the game was starting to get you know yeah, well yeah. in yeah, yeah, in yeah. their control. So why not give a couple guys a shot at it and try and figure out you know who's going to take these shots when you actually need them. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. A couple more news and notes here before we let you go on episode 63. Just kind of saw this come across my timeline on Facebook. The ALL Women's League, Evan. Did you know about this? No, I didn't. Yeah, so uh, similar to the Men's League, I'm assuming, the ALL, which is kind of the feeder farm league back east for for not some national lacrosse league teams, it looks. I think this. I want to say their third. They're going into their third. I had no idea the ALL Women's League back in action for another year, which I think is just awesome. Like I need more of this. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we talked uh, what back at the World Championships as to when do, do the women get their own box mm. championship, mm-hmm. right? And there's still a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of countries, to be frankly honest, around the world that don't have women's programs. So. Yeah, like it would be 50 to nothing Canada if they did it right now. Right. Yeah. Um, so so. It'll, I think it'll come, but and this will surely help uh, leagues like this starting up and staying around. I, I think BC really needs to – I know they have the extreme lacrosse league, and it's not quite on the scale, or not even close to the scale of what the ALL is back east. But I think that might be kind of an avenue that BC and, and Alberta need to explore, having a comparable league to the ALL, whether it's the extreme lacrosse league or something else. Um, to have that going during the wintertime coinciding with National Lacrosse League so guys are fresh and, and, and ready to go – and able to step into a National Cross League roster should their number get called instead of, you know, just being able to train on their own and working out and whatever. Uh, they they need to figure that out here on the West Coast and have, have an avenue for guys to, to keep in shape and be ready to go should they get the tap. But that kind of that next level of player uh, from the National Lacrosse League. Last thing I want to mention here on Lacrosse Classified, and it's uh, it's a bit of a sad note, and, and it's former Vancouver Stell, former New Westminster Sandbelly, Cliff Smith, who is a, a firefighter here in Vancouver and, and a guy I got to know pretty well with my time with the, the Vancouver Stealth and, and watching him play in the summer and, and coaching against him way back when as well. His father, Neil Smith, passing away, and, and he was a... Uh, a decorated first responder as well. And 
just talking with, with Dan Richardson a little bit uh, earlier today, saying, you know, the Firefighters Hall, just like it was for Soan Gill's um, celebration of life, absolutely packed upstairs and downstairs. And I just I just sent Cliff a, a quick test or text saying that I'm sorry I couldn't be there, but my heartfelt condolences. And he sent me a nice message back saying that, Neil, I never really got a chance to meet Neil, but he was a huge fan of mine, which I had no idea about. So I don't know how Cliff found found the strength in him to, to kind of turn that around and give me a compliment. But um, for everybody that, that knew Neil Smith um, and, and what he was, uh, you know, Dan saying he was a unreal father, grandfather, uh, and a great dad as well. So he's going to be sorely missed. And, and I know a lot of people are, are kind of hurting today with the, with the loss of Neil Smith. So I want to, to mention that for my buddy Cliff and, and for everybody that knew Neil. And with that, I think we are done here on Lacrosse Classified for episode 63. Two great conversations with Dan Lomas and Holden Katoni. And, of course, uh, big thanks goes out to our fine sponsors here on Lacrosse Classified, the Vancouver Warriors, Pure Vital Labs, Associated Labels and Packaging, G. Wilson Construction, Stampede Tack, and Western Wear. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast, people. Don't forget to sign up for who you got each week as well. Give Evan a follow at Shemlax. Get those numbers up for Evan. He's always complaining about it. You can follow me at PXB for sports. The show is at Lax Class on Twitter, at Lacrosse Classified on the old Instagram as well. And now, episode 63 is over. For Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Gillian for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator. Enjoy the games, everybody.